my students. Welcome back to the podcast. I know that it's been a while. I apologize for not teaching you guys, at least through the podcast, because the truth is that the students of the DC English community have been receiving live lessons every day from Monday through Saturday. So it's kind of like they've been enjoying a podcast, but better because it's live. So if you're interested in joining the DC English community, then send me a message through Instagram and we can get you started. It's only a dollar a day, $30 a month. All right, without further ado, let's begin the class. So today we are going to talk about breaking the rules of English. What? Breaking the rules? Why would we want to break the rules of English? Well, if you are an advanced student or even an intermediate student, then I'm here to tell you that if you want to sound natural, you have to learn how to break certain rules of English. So, which rules am I talking about? Well, in this podcast, I'm going to teach you certain ways that we can break rules when it comes to grammar, idioms, pronunciation. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about grammar, about softeners. What's a softener? Don't worry, I'm going to teach you what that is. We're actually going to have a podcast, an entire podcast on softeners, but we are going to talk a little bit about softeners here in this podcast today. Breaking the rules of English. Now, let's start with grammar, shall we? Because you know you hate grammar. I hate grammar. I mean, I like to teach grammar, but who likes grammar? I mean, at least not the type of grammar that most English teachers teach. There's different types of grammar, right? There's grammar where you're not supposed to say you and me. No, you're supposed to say you and I. Well, then why do most people, native English speakers, say you and me? Well, because that's how people speak. Of course, in formal situations, then you want to say Daniel and I went to the store. But when you're with your friends, when you're with your families, which is 90% of the time, then it's okay to say Daniel and me. You sound more natural. You sound more native. So that's a rule that you can break. Say Daniel and me. You don't have to say Daniel and I. It causes confusion. Okay? So that's one rule that we can break. Now, there's a rule in English that says, if you're talking about plural items, things that are many, many things, more than one, then you want to use are. So for example, we say, we are going to the store. We don't say we am or we is. That would be weird. So there you want to keep that rule. Now, there are other moments where we can break that rule. What am I talking about? Well, let's say that there are, right, I'm going to say are now, but there are several books on the table, okay? So there's more than one. 
Well, we're taught that we're supposed to say there are books on the table. Okay, but remember in my podcast about contractions, how I taught you that it's better to use contractions? Well, when we're using contractions to talk about items and you're using the word there to refer to them, well, you don't want to say there are, right? You don't want to say there are books on the table. It sounds weird, right? There are books on the table. No, there you would use the contraction for there is, right? Because the rule is you're supposed to say there is a book on the table and there are books on the table. Now, if you're not using contractions, then that's fine. But if you want to sound natural and you're using contractions, you don't use the contraction of there and are to refer to several things. So like I said, we don't say there are books on the table. There are books on the table. No, you would say there's books on the table. There's books on the table. You see, it sounds more natural. And that applies to other items too, not only books. So you would say, there's people in the room. There's people in the room. So people is plural. You're supposed to say there are people in the room, which is fine. But I'm going to teach you that that has its own function using there are people in the room. Using contractions, you would say, there's people in the room. There's cars in the garage. You see, there's, there's cars in the garage. There's people in the room. There's books on the table. You sound more natural and more native. Now, you can say there are books on the table. And you would say that specifically when you want to show emphasis. So, so for example, let's say that someone tells you, Daniel, or a student, why are there no books on the table? So they're implying that Right now, there are zero books on the table, right? Or there's zero books on the table. Well, you know that there are books on the table, right? So you tell them, what do you mean? There are books on the table. And by putting emphasis on are, you're showing that there's already books on the table, you see? Now, you can also do that even with the contraction. So you could say, there's already books on the table. That's fine. But if you don't want to use the word already, then you would say there are books on the table. So you see how learning how to break this rule of English, English grammar, allows you to use the right way of saying it. There are books on the table instead of there's books on the table in very specific situations when you want to show emphasis. That's the purpose of language. The point of language is to be able to be very specific with how you feel about a situation using the appropriate words. Now, let's talk about articles. What's an article? I'm not talking about the article in a magazine. No, I'm talking about the articles in English. So we have the the or the, right? That's an article. So we have the man. So man is the noun. The is the article. Now, 
There's a rule in English that says that you're supposed to use the article for, for every single word or right before every noun. So you would say, I want the table or I want to buy the table. And that's fine. You can. You're supposed to use it in those situations because if you don't, then you sound like a caveman. You sound like you're saying, I want table. I want flowers. No, you use the article the. I want the table. I want the flower, right? If you're talking about one specific flower. Now, it's important to understand that most languages don't use articles, right? There are languages that don't use it. Turkish doesn't use the article the. If you're Turkish, if you're a Turkish student and you're listening to this podcast, I know how difficult it was for you to learn how to use articles the. Right? I want table. I want the table. Okay. Now, I want to teach you that in English, we don't always use the article before a noun. When and how do we break this rule? Well, well, we break this when we're talking about food. So, for example, if you're making dinner, right? You can say I'm cooking dinner. I'm making dinner. Well, we don't say I'm making the dinner, right? That sounds weird. It sounds weird. We say I'm making dinner or I'm making breakfast. I'm making lunch, you see? Now, in order for you to understand how weird this sounds, and this is specifically for my Spanish-speaking students, think of the phrase in Spanish, Daniel es... Profesor de Inglés. Now, you could also say Daniel es un profesor de Inglés, you see. But is that necessary? Is the un and Daniel es un profesor de Inglés necessary? Angelica es un, una doctora. No, you would say Angelica es doctora. Daniel es profesor de Inglés. It sounds weird to use un. And you would use it in specific situations when you want to show emphasis. But when you're talking... And speaking like a regular human being, you would say, Daniel is professor de inglés. Angelica is doctora. So think of how weird it sounds to say, Daniel is un profesor de inglés. And then multiply that weirdness by two or three, actually. Multiply by three. That's how weird it sounds to a native English speaker when you say, I'm making the dinner. Or I'm making the breakfast, you see. That also applies to school. If you go to a specific school, if you attend to a school, then we don't say I'm going to the school. No, I'm going to school. I'm driving to school. It's the same thing with work. We don't say I'm going to the work. No, I'm going to work, you see. We don't say I'm going to the work. That sounds weird. Sounds like saying Daniel is un profesor de inglés. It's weird, okay? Now, we also don't use the article the when we're talking about time. So, for example, if you're telling me about a very nice experience that you had a week before, I hear many students make this mistake. They say, uh, I went to the gym the last week. Or, I, I, or the last week I went to the gym. No, we say, last week I went to the gym, or last week I saw the Avengers. We don't say the last week. 
we say last week. Now, there are moments where we do use the article the, but those are for very specific situations when we're clarifying something. But when we're just speaking, we say last week I went to the movies, right? Same thing about the future. We don't say the next week. No, we say next week I'm going to the movies, okay? Uh, last year, not the last year, right? Next year, not the next year, right? Unless you're clarifying something or you're being very specific. It's in very specific situations. But for the most part, we don't use the article when we're talking about food or when we're talking about time. That's very, very important. Okay, let's talk about idioms. Idioms, what are idioms? Well, idioms are a way of speaking using metaphors. You're using a figure of speech, right? So an example of an idiom is, I could eat a horse right now. Well, would you really eat a horse right now alive? No, you wouldn't, unless you were really, really, really hungry and there was nothing around to eat and you were starving. By the way, nice word for starving is famished. You can say I'm starving or you can say I'm famished. Famished. Some people say famished. Some people say famished, right? Vowels tend to uh, play around in that way. Famished, famished. I like to say famished. It's spelled F-A-M-I-S-H-E-D. But people say E or A. It depends on the person. depends on where you're from. It depends who you learned the word from. I say famished because I learned it from the movie 500 Days of Summer. Very, very good movie, by the way. It's not a love story. If you saw that movie before, then you understand the joke. TV's not working. Um, well, I'm famished. Let's eat. But yeah, he said, I'm famished. Eh, not ah, but eh. But you can say famished. Either way, that's an idiom. I could eat a horse right now, right? It's a figure of speech. Now, let's talk about breaking the rules of grammar when we're using idioms. Now, let's say that you haven't seen your friend in a very, very long time. Well, how would you introduce yourself to him again? Or how would you say hello to him? Well, most likely you'd use the phrase, long time no see. Right? It has its own melody, by the way, right? Long time no see. Well, think about it. If you're using that phrase, long time no see, you're breaking the rules of grammar. You're destroying them. Because you're supposed to say, it's been a long time since I have seen you, right? Or it's been a while since I've seen you. Long time no see, that's breaking the rules. But it sounds natural. You see? It's somehow blended into the fabric of the English language. It's okay to say. It's okay to break that rule because it's an idiom or it's an idiomatic way of speaking, right? Now, let's look at another idiom or another figure of speech. So, you saw what I did uh, about three minutes ago when I was talking about idioms. Well, I changed the subject a little bit, right? I started to talk about uh, the word famished. And then I even started to talk about other things like a movie called 500 Days of Summer, 
I was changing the subject without even realizing it or to make a point. Now, there's a word for that. It's called changing the subject. <laughs> no, that's a phrase. No, but there's actually a word. It's called digress. Now, you'll see or you'll find that native English speakers, when they find themselves uh, unknowingly changing the subject, they would use a phrase or they, they use a phrase in order to bring the conversation back to where it was before, to bring the attention or the focus of the conversation back to the main subject. And they use the phrase, I digress. So digress itself means to sway away from something, specifically a conversation, right? So I digress, what that means is that you have gone away from the topic of the conversation and you understand that. And so by using that phrase, you're showing it or you're using it to show that you understand that you have to get back on track with where the conversation was before. I digress. Now, why is that breaking the rules of English if the person is using the appropriate word? Well, here's the thing. It's the tense that they are using. So, for example, let's talk about tenses for a little bit. Because in English, the present tense isn't really the present tense. So, let's say that I am cooking something. And you walk into the kitchen and you ask me, what are you doing? Do I say I cook? No, I say I'm cooking, right? So I add the ing to the verb and I add the am to i to the pronoun. So I say I am cooking or I'm cooking, ing. I don't say I cook. That would be weird. That's a caveman talking. That's like the caveman saying, for example, I want flowers. It sounds weird. Or I want flower. I want table. No, I want the table. Well, we don't say I cook. When do we use the present tense then? When do we use the present tense? Well, we use the present tense to talk about things that we do regularly, habitually, right? So for example, if I say I cook, it means that I do it a lot. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it right now. In Spanish, you can actually use the present tense, talk about the present tense. If someone says, gases, and you're cooking, well, you can say, cocino, to show that you're doing it right now. Now, you could also say, estoy cocinando. My point is that you're not breaking the rules by saying, I cook, or cocino. Well, my point is that in English, the present tense is to talk about something that you do regularly. I'm cooking if you're doing it right now. So... The person saying, I digress, when they're changing the subject of the conversation, they're breaking the rule because if you think about it, they're digressing. They're doing it right now. So why don't they say, I'm digressing? That would be grammatically correct. But would it be appropriate? Is it what people say when they are changing the subject of a conversation? No, people say, I digress, which grammatically would mean that they do it a lot, that they do it regularly, but they're not using the phrase, I digress, to show that they do it regularly. They're using it to show that they're doing it right now, at the moment. 
but they're using the present tense instead of the present continuous, which is what they should use if they are following the rules of grammar. Now, let's talk about pronunciation. By the way, if you follow me on Instagram, then you know that I like to say that. Let's talk about pronunciation. That's my phrase. I'm known for that. I'm known for saying, let's talk about pronunciation. Or, that is incorrect. Or, when I say, see you next time. Anyhow, by the way, that see you next time, a backstory for that see you next time, that isn't 100% me. I didn't invent, obviously, I didn't invent those words or the phrase. That's something that people see all the time. See you next time. But it's, it isn't... Well, it was inspired by this German uh, YouTuber. He's, his name is Jeremy Fragrance. Jeremy Fragrance. 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 Tomato, tomato. Fragrance. Fragrance. Well, Jeremy Fragrance. And in one of his videos, he ended it with, um, See you next time, guys. He put the guys at the end. He has a strong German accent. And I liked how it sounded. And so one day at the... Uh, very end of my video when I was uh, filming for a class I ended it with see you next time and I realized afterwards that oh wait a second I got that from Jeremy Fragrance anyhow I digress let's get back to pronunciation let's talk about pronunciation shall we now we have a word like four and when I say four, I don't mean the number four. I'm talking about the four that we use when we say, for example, I want flowers or I want to buy flowers for my girlfriend, right? I want to buy flowers for, para, for my girlfriend. Okay. Now, that word for is spelled F-O-R, right? Now, we know that in English, we don't pronounce words that are spelled a specific way. We pronounce them differently, right? That's one of the hardest uh, aspects of English, learning how to read, because English spelling is crazy. But the word for and the word can, which we're going to talk about right now, those are words that you can pronounce the way that they are spelled, right? So we have f for f. Uh, for O, and we have er for R, so four. But here's the thing. The truth is that that word for, especially when it's in the middle of a sentence, is pronounced as fur, fur, right? Like the fur that some people wear on their backs, the fur of animals, fur. How do I know this? Well, because I speak English. And in my mind, I know this rule. And so I want to teach it to you guys because it's important for you to know this, for you to sound natural, and for you to understand. Notice how I said for you, not for you, you see. And for you to understand when native English speakers speak. So we say, I bought this for you, okay? But if you are a human being, you say, I bought this for you. I bought this for you. The for turns into fur, right? I bought this for you. Now, when we understand that it's okay to break that rule, it allows us to understand that the proper way of pronouncing it, for, 
is used for emphasis. So for example, we say, I bought this for you. You see, I bought this for you. You see, maybe the person is angry because they thought that you bought it for someone else. But no, I bought it for you. I bought it for you. You see, you're showing emphasis. Now, if you're talking normal, then you would say, I bought this for you. You see? Now, let's talk about can. Because can is broken as well. Well, it's not broken. There's nothing wrong with the word can. It's completely uh, functional. It's not broken. <laughs> what I meant to say was that it can be uh, broken uh, when it comes to pronunciation, right? We pronounce it differently. So, for example, the word can, by the way, is not pronounced can, right? There's a rule in English. And when I say a rule, it's a rule that people use when they speak of pronunciation. If you see an A before a, a, an N or an M, that A is pronounced A. Not A, but A. You see, so for example, we have a word like man. Well, man is spelled M-A-N, but I don't say man. I say man, right? So think of the Spanish word lea for read, right? That's the same ea of man, right? Well, it's the same thing with can. I don't say can. I say can, right? So we say, can you help me? Right? Can I go to the park with you? Can. Can. Now, that can actually turns into kun. Kun. Especially when it's in the middle of a sentence. So, for example, we would say, he can go. Right? Or another sentence is, police can arrest you for smoking weed. Right? Police can arrest you for smoking weed. I don't say police can arrest you for smoking weed. Most people, when can is in the middle of the sentence, pronounce it as kun. Kun. And this allows you to understand that you pronounce it as can in very specific situations. In this case, softening. Remember how I told you that I was going to talk to you about softeners? Well, here is one of them. So what is a softener, very quickly? Well, a softener is a word or phrase or an intonation pattern as well. It can also be an intonation pattern, the way we say something, the melody of English that we use in specific situations. Well, it's a word or phrase that we use to make a statement less direct. So for example, think of the word just which I learned from uh, Emma. If you're here, if you're listening to this, then thank you for teaching this to me, Emma, or allowing me to understand what I already knew because the truth is that that rule that I'm going to teach you now, it, it's, it was already in my brain. I just wasn't aware of it. But we have a word like just. I digress again. I'm sorry, guys. We have a word like just, okay? So if I say, can you pass me that pen, right? Or can you pass me that pen, right? Can you pass me that pen? Well, you can make that softer by using the word just. You would say, can you just pass me that pen? The word just here is making your statement less direct. Now, we also use softeners to make our disagreement less direct. 
So for example, we have a sentence like, I like red apples. Well, let's say my friend says that. I like red apples, but I like green apples. Well, if I just tell him I like green apples after he says I like red apples, it's very direct, right? It's very, very direct. How can I make it softer? Well, I use a word like well, and well makes my disagreement less direct. It makes it more polite. It makes it nicer, right? So for example, I like red apples, my, my friend says. I like red apples. And I say, well, I like green apples. You see how it sounds nicer? Well makes my statement less direct. Now, softeners can be phrases as well. Now, let's say that my friend says, police can arrest you for smoking, right? Not police can arrest you for smoking, but no, police can arrest you for smoking weed. And I want to disagree with him. I want to show him that there's an exception to the fact that he just said. So he said, police can arrest you for smoking weed. Well, I can disagree with him. I can say, not if you have a license, right? So my friend says, police can arrest you for smoking weed. And then I say, not if you have a license. Well, that's very direct. It almost sounds like I'm trying to argue with him. I can use a softener to make it less direct. I can use well. So I can say, well, not if you have a license, you see? Well makes it less direct. But I can also use a phrase to make it softer. I can repeat what he said and then add my disagreement. So for example, I can say, police can arrest you for smoking weed, but not if you have a marijuana license. By the way, I don't smoke weed. I'm just using this as an example. Just letting you guys know just in case you were wondering. So police can arrest you for smoking weed, but not if you have a marijuana license. Did you see what I did there, right? I used the word can in the appropriate way, right? In order to soften my disagreement. I said, the police can arrest you for smoking weed, but not if you have a marijuana license. So softeners can be used differently, right? And here I'm using the proper pronunciation of can with a little bit of emphasis to soften or to repeat what he said in order to soften my disagreement. Repeating what he said, I'm showing that I was listening to what he said and that I understand and respect his point of view, but that I also have my point of view. In this case, my point of view is an exception to what his statement was. So that's what I wanted to teach you today, my students. I wanted to teach you, oh, by the way, that's another rule that we break. Notice how I don't say wanted. That's what I wanted to tell you. 90% of the times native English speakers say wanted. That T disappears. That's what I wanted to tell you. And there's a reason for that. The N and the T are pretty much the same sound. Make the T sound T. Now make the end sound, nuh. You're doing the same thing. Your tongue is hitting the top of your teeth. Well, sounds are lazy, and because of that, we're saying one, 
And then why do we have to say the T? If we're, our tongue is already there, we might as well just finish the word with Ed. Wanted. Anyway, that's what I wanted to teach you guys today, my students. And we learned today that breaking the rules of English can be used to sound more native and it could also be used to understand when natives speak to you. And we also learned that breaking the rules of English allows you to better understand how to show emphasis, to make things more direct, and how to make your disagreements softer, specifically with the word can. I hope you enjoyed today's class, my students. That's all for today. See you next time.